0: Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl, and I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. So, uh, Rick, we had a little bit of news today. Uh, The President uh, spoke to reporters as he left uh, the South Lawn to go to Lima, not Lima, Ohio, Ohio. And I think, first of all, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, I want to quickly go through uh, Beto Biden because I think I think you've got some news for us on, on on both fronts with those two guys. And is Biden in? Is Beto for real? That kind of stuff. And also some of these
1: ideas we're hearing from the Democrats. But before we do that, is it almost Mueller time? <laughs> it's been it's been Mueller time for a couple of months now. We're waiting on this, and nobody knows nothing. And it would it, would, it would there, do you know something the happened the today thought. though? Something happened today. Oh yeah. And and,
0: and and I want to I want to and, and I'm breaking the news here on the podcast. Yeah. We saw Robert Mueller today. By, by we, I mean ABC News. Yeah. ABC News, this guy is virtually never seen. A ghost. If you notice, when you're watching your uh, television stories that mention the special counsel, they all use the same three or four clips uh, <laughs> that are all you a know, couple years old. You just never see the guy. You had that one grainy shot of him at the airport with Don Jr. <laughs> it, you never see the guy. But ABC News spotted Robert Mueller today, driving into the Department of Justice over there by the special counsel's uh, uh, operation, which was really pretty Driving himself, right? Well, yeah. So here's the thing. So you want to know the details, right? Yeah. He was driving a Subaru. Interesting Mm -hmm. interesting choice. And he was driving himself. And I also want to say, according to our ABC News spotters, um, he took kind of a dangerous turn. Didn't really slow down when he went into the parking lot. Everybody else stops and, you know, there's a... Not, not Robert Mueller. He kind of he kind of cruised right in there, uh, which is maybe why we don't tend to see him very often. But anyway, I just wanted to let you know that. And okay. then, uh, as the president was uh, heading out on the South Lawn, I had a chance to ask him a question about Robert Mueller. Listen
2: Mr. Does public have a right to see the Mueller report? Yeah. I don't mind. I mean, frankly, I told the House if you want, let him see it. Again, I say. A deputy, because of the fact that the Attorney General uh, didn't have the courage to do it himself, a deputy that's appointed appoints another man to write a report. I just won an election with 63 million votes or so. Sixty-three million. I had 206 to 223 in the Electoral College, 306 to 223. And I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, I just won one of the greatest elections of all time in the history of this country, and even you will admit that and now I have somebody writing a report that never got a vote. It's called the Mueller report
0: It's called the Mueller report. Uh, that was a lot of things interesting in that answer. I mean first of all, he got what do you say 63 million how many million votes did Hillary get? He um,
1: didn't a couple million more. Okay. Um, that gets to the interesting debate we'll have in a few minutes. about
0: Put that aside. Yes. But but Bowler but got how many votes? Zero. As far as we know. As far as we know. He got 100 votes in the Senate. And he's cause... writing a report and he was appointed
1: by a deputy. <laughs> I mean, got 100 I, votes in the I Senate <laughs> to be confirmed.
0: Actually, the... Trevor, uh, can you play the first part of that again? I, the first part's where the news was not on all of that.
2: I don't mind. I mean, frankly, I told the House, if you want, let them see it.
0: Okay. Th- so there you go. The president's on record. Just as definitively, when he told me that time, getting on almost two years ago, that he absolutely 100% would agree to an in-person interview under oath with Robert Mueller, he would do it. Now he has told me just as definitively he's got absolutely no problem with the American people seeing the Mueller report. So I think, given those, I mean, he'll he'll just just as he did that
1: uh, that that interview under oath. Maybe Mueller's still waiting on that. Maybe that's the delay. The president hasn't called well, him yeah, back. He never yet. actually yeah. did that interview. Yeah, That's right. exactly. Okay, would you
0: but, but, be willing to speak under oath to uh, give your version of, of 100%. Those events? one hundred percent? One hundred percent. So, <laughs> if, 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 so if the chances of the interview that was good with Trevor was, was the the one hundred percent chance of the interview, the, the the chances of the public release of the Mueller report is it? Is it uh, more than
1: 100%? Close. It, we're in the neighborhood.
0: We're in the neighborhood. So anyway, that's going to be very interesting. I, I can't give you – I can just tell you one more thing and then I, want to, I do want to get on to where we are with the Democrats. But um, uh, we were across town, Washington, D.C., reporters at news organizations everywhere in something of a state of frenzy because there was a widespread expectation that the Mueller report could have been finished and it could have been announced mm-hmm. today. Today was the day. But then we see Robert Mueller coming in, going to work like every other day, and uh, nothing. And remember, there's going to be a two-step process here. We're going to learn that he's done. It was turned over to the Justice Department. And then some period of time later, we'll learn how much is going to be released. But anyway, so that's that's all I have to say about uh, about Mueller time. But I, I wanted, to, since we do have the political director for ABC News in the uh, on the podcast today— I, I saw a big screaming headline in the uh, Wall Street Journal that said that Joe Biden is telling
1: people he's running. So does that mean he's in? No, because it's Joe Biden. It means he's telling people that he's likely to do it. And it means that he's lining people up. But, man, has he ever done this before, John? And that's the thing that you come back to. The people around Joe Biden continue to be more excited about the Biden candidacy than he does. All of that said, I think he does run. You can write that down in my prediction okay, ledger. That's Rick never wrong. Says he's I think r- he okay, is going to run. Okay. I think it's going to be early in April that we're going to hear from him, and he's going to say it. Uh, this is more real than it's been in the past, but it is not a done deal. And uh, you know, I'm picking up and talking to Democrats a lot of frustration about what's taken so long. You say you want to do this, let's do it already. His is he just team, waiting for the quarter fundraising uh, so he doesn't have to release fundraising numbers? Ding, ding, for... ding. That's a big piece of it. Okay. But his team also insists that there's just there's no timeline that matters to him. That he's the vice president, former vice president. He is the front runner in any national polling, and that he can go on the time frame that he is comfortable with. He's blown past his previous deadlines. Now we're talking about this early April window. We'll see
0: is he going to be the frontrunner if he runs? Is he going to be the front runner six months from now?
1: I'd actually say, I'd amend what I just said. He's not the front runner now. And so six well, months from guy, now. There's a,
0: there's a guy named Bernie Sanders that I've seen on top of some of those
1: polls. Uh, I would say there's no frontrunner, period, end of story. I think there's a couple that will numerically be higher in the polls, and Bernie right. Sanders, Beto, who we should talk about, and, and and Joe Biden are among them. That doesn't make him frontrunners. This is not anything like the last time around when you had Hillary Clinton go wire to wire as the frontrunner. Uh, this is, this is a lot closer to the free for all that republicans frankly have done uh, most recently in the last couple of election cycles and i don't think anyone enters this at when, when if biden enters include him name on this i don't think anyone name enters this as the person that is ahead of the pack
0: okay well uh beto o'rourke who you mentioned is the front runner in terms of money Am yeah I correct about that yes that's, that's pretty remarkable early money at least yes. um so he's been out there. Um, I've noticed he's jumping up on a lot of uh, – he likes to go up on things. He likes to stand up on, like, counters yeah. and tabletops. And even when people work down down low, I don't – do you know what that's –
1: and he's tall. He's like six six. So it's yeah. it, not necessarily... It's a thing. It, this is this thing. He's got a lot of energy. Jump he,
0: up on a thing. Wave his arms around. His and, arms
1: move. He moves a lot. He is he is energetic. He is ready. He is ready to tackle the problems of the country. And, and, he's, and giving he's been you a, everywhere. A
0: lot of specifics on the policies that he's uh, that he's going to do. He gets into real detail. Really wonky. Ooh, wait a second on that
1: one. Not wait only. a second on that one. I look. So, you, sometimes voters ask the best questions, John. You know, the report, us reporters sometimes are nicer than, than voters can be. Take a listen to this. This is uh, in Pennsylvania. Well, uh, is a question that uh, that uh, that's what we're faced from a voter. When are we going to get an actual policy from you instead of just like platitudes and nice stories?
2: Thank you. So, in every single policy area, I'm trying to describe not just the goal and the aspiration, but the path that we will take to get there. I understand if we disagree or come to different conclusions. That's the genius of our democracy. I appreciate you being here and asking the questions. Thank you.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so w- wait a minute. I, I So he was asked when he's going to do the policies and not just the platitudes and nice stories. And then... Did he go on to offer some platitudes and a little bit of a we, nice story? We had a couple. The, of these.
1: I wish also this was like his fifth day of campaigning or something. So you don't it's think the, he used to
0: have the the, the, the white paper out on I, how he's going to deal with the Fed?
1: I remember in I think it was March of two thousand seven, being at a forum in Las Vegas where on health care and Barack Obama had no answer for a health care plan, and he basically He ended has, up coming up with one. I he was going did he ever have one? He, <laughs> yeah, I feel like he made up for that uh, afterward. But his basic answer was like, I'm brand new. I'll figure it out. And and he was panned for it at the time. They went back to school with him to figure it out I think that 's going to happen to have to happen with Beto. you know things are so hypercharged these days we 've already had a beto boom, a big backlash against it, and then another boom when they released when the numbers it, $6.1 came six point one million dollars yeah. in twenty four hours the numbers that even Bernie Sanders couldn't reach, so I think answering the question right away: Is it real? Is there something there that 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 that's real? Yeah, of course it is. Is it is it everything? Well, not yet. And voters are going to have a lot of questions about this. And the other candidates who've been pushing forward on policy in really interesting ways are going to have tough tough questions for him when we get around to debate time.
0: Um, he he did offer one specific early on. We talked about on the podcast a few weeks ago about uh, when, when he was asked, "How about the wall that's already there on the border? Would you tear that down?"
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He said,
0: yeah. he said he, uh, he might just Think want to do that. that. Yeah. Think about
1: that. He thinks about a lot of things. And that, thinks, you know, yeah. that, that, one of the answers that he, that he gives he is- But is often, he a moderate?
0: Is, is, he... is he a liberal? Yeah. What is he? I mean, he's- uh, He's you know, Beto. He, I mean, you, you see some discussion that he's actually had a, had a, had a fairly uh, moderate to conservative yeah. uh, record in the House. He spent six years in the House. I mean, yeah. that's, there's a lot of votes to come over. Um, um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, he, what, what what's your assessment? Where is he? We you know he was the great hope to to take on, you know, he was like the the, the David against the the the, uh, the Goliath of of Ted Cruz in Texas. Um you didn't have to I guess have a lot of specifics right. uh when when you're that. The, you know everybody who doesn't like Ted Cruz wants you to win and That's right. Um likes the way you you, you speak truth to power, but but what I mean what
1: do we know about his
0: Where does he fit on the spectrum,
1: He's been almost everywhere on the spectrum. He ran as a conservative alternative uh, in a Democratic primary before he came to Congress. And um, I think he he started out very much in a moderate lane trying to win in Texas. He has moved more toward the liberal side of things. And it is, again, a lot like Obama, who was in a vessel in his own own description at one point that a lot of people poured their hopes and aspirations into. He's got to fill that up at some point. And and we don't know where he is on the policy spectrum because he, frankly, hasn't said or he's contradicted himself and taken positions that are confusing on this in the past, and he's up against a lot of wonks—guys who are going to take policy positions. Does he have that? Does he have that
0: thing that Obama had? I mean, you know, Obama at his height, at his rhetorical best, is you know one one, one of the best public speakers that we've seen uh, in in, in American politics uh, in in our lifetimes. At his height. Yeah. does, does, does Beto have that?
1: I don't think he's the pure political performer that Obama is, but he may be closer than anyone else that's in the field to, to being able to deliver on that. Uh, the question of how much substance you back it up with is almost a separate one. But I think he fills a role in this race, and that's why you see the excitement around him is that the, you know, for all of the very talented and very deep bench of candidates that you have out there, you don't have a lot who just purely inspire. And Democrats, as has been said before, and it's true, they like to fall in love. Beto is the object of some degree of affection right now. Also some backlash, a lot of Beto hate out there, a lot of Beto mockery. Uh, from people in and around the candidates, as well as lots of voters who are asking tough questions, but uh, he is for real in the sense of being able to deliver on those numbers and and on those crowds that are following me around when he you know the other thing John is he doesn 't have a day job so he can just campaign all the time. These other senators and, and congressmen have to come back or be governor or mayor or something again. He can just campaign nonstop and he basically has since the announcement he he drove in his dodge caravan. Drives himself, just just uh, Mueller style. Isn't he
0: a drummer and a. Yeah, he does
1: some of that. Does some okay. of that with the kids, but yeah, he so, drove all the way from Iowa to New Hampshire, and he'll go to Texas next. Okay,
0: so I uh, and, and we have seen from the candidates some really interesting ideas. I mean, we've we've seen, we we, we we've seen just in the past week or so discussion of abolishing the Electoral College, of lowering the voting age. Remember, it used to be 21, went to 18, and now uh, there there, there was a suggestion of taking it to 16. Uh, We've had suggestions on basically something that, if you may remember, FDR tried packing the Supreme Court, increasing the number of justices, and some, I mean, I don't know, unusual ideas about how to get to the larger number. Anyway, we got to take a quick break, and then, Rick, I'm wondering if you can kind of Run us through all that when we come back. Welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. I'm here with ABC News political director Rick Klein, uh, and I'm Jonathan Carl. Rick, I, I gotta, I gotta ask you. The, uh, I mean, there are a number of ideas that have been put out, and we, and we've, we've seen already in this embryonic primary, we've seen ideas like Medicare for all, abolishing ICE. Um, we, we, we've seen the Green, some, New, the, Deal. The Green yeah. New Deal. Green we, New Deal. We've seen some very interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, some would say radical ideas, certainly uh, ideas to, uh, to discuss and debate. But um, just it seems that we've had a rash of kind of structural proposals. This one from Elizabeth Warren.
2: My view is that
0: every vote matters. And the way we can make that happen... is that we can have national voting and that means get rid of the Electoral College and everybody get rid of the Electoral College first of all Rick I want to talk about what Donald Trump has had to say about that but before we do how many other candidates and potential 2020 candidates on the Democratic side are going to have already or you do think will come out and endorse that idea?
1: Mayor Pete's already on board, and a whole bunch of the candidates are saying it's at least something that should be discussed. This seems like an easy thing in some level for Democrats. We've seen two elections just in the last two decades where the winner of the popular vote was not the winner of the Electoral College and therefore was not the president. In both of those cases, John, I'm pretty sure it was a Democrat who cut the short end of that stick. And it is, of course, lots of Democratic voters in Big blue dots on the map, like places like New York and, uh, and, and Los Angeles or Chicago, for instance, that, uh, that are uh, feeling like their vote is not counted the same because you can rack up a lot of victories in rural parts of the country. Uh, so I think this is going to gain traction. I am struck by how little political downside they see on this particular applause line. I mean, that was a big, big moment for Elizabeth Warren at that town hall. Yeah, and, what does it hurt? You, right.
0: you, you call for it. I mean, there's no chance it's going to happen, certainly in time for this election. And, yeah. uh, um, and there's, uh, I mean, changing the Constitution has, has been done yeah, many and times. We have the, a bunch of amendments, but I think this will be a-
1: And there are serious efforts to try to short circuit it, too. There's an interstate compact that would potentially- Well, f- did get you see what Trump answer? said about it? Uh, go for it. So, so,
0: so, I thought Trump immediately pounced on this idea. Yeah. Um, again, via Twitter, uh, but but he said it's it's a two part tweet. I'm just going to read the the relevant yeah, part. I want to discuss with you. Um, he said the brilliance of the Electoral College is that you must go to many states to win with the popular vote. You go to just the large states, the cities would end up running the country. Smaller states and the entire Midwest would end up losing all power, and we can't let that happen. So what's interesting about that is he immediately seized on this to make this a political issue that would appeal in the very states that you need to win as long as there is an electoral college, which there certainly will be in the next election.
1: I smell a campaign issue. And, and you know whether or not it happens and it's not going to happen, so it makes it an easier whether or not the president can warn people that it could yeah, happen to, and warn about states. these Democrats. And you loop it in with like, socialism and Green New Deal and the other things, and you find a way to paint Democrats as coastal elites and you gin up a base. And I think both bases are engaged on an issue that's kind of wonky of getting rid of the electoral college.
0: How many candidates have endorsed uh, the idea of expanding the Supreme Court? At,
1: at least two that we know of have come out with actual proposals to and say that, that th- things to happen. better O'Rourke is one of them, yep. uh, and Mayor Pete, uh, Mister Mister Constitution himself, these other ways. Now he's got the he's got the it's maybe a weird the, one, right? Yeah, basically he would say that you'd have five justices that would be named by a Democrat, five by a Republican, and then those 10 justices would get together to name the other five. So you'd have a 15-person
0: court. So they bring in five of their pals to come in and join yes. them. Yes, yeah. and
1: you'd blow up the whole process as we know it and as has happened for 240 years.
0: Remind me what the Constitution says about how many justices there should be on the Supreme Court.
1: Well, that's an interesting one now, isn't it, John? Because actually... The Constitution doesn't say how and many justices. Are and remind the me
0: that, 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 that we've always had nine. It's sacrosanct. It's just it's always been that way. Once it, again,
1: we have not. Once uh, again, we have not. And in fact, we'll remember what court packing is. Anyone in their civics classes remembers that FDR, uh, because he was frustrated with the uh, his failures with the with his his New Deal, not the Green New Deal, the original the original item of the New Deal agenda. Uh, and after I believe having won at least one of his reelections, he put forward what he called a court packing plan, which would what others would call. A court packing plan, which would replace justices, I believe, over the age of seventy, with new justices, and result in him having a whole lot more picks. And he found the limits of his own power with said court packing. But it was in Congress and not via Constitution that he was talking. So, about.
0: in other words, this is a change that actually is a lot easier than abolishing the electoral yes. college. It's still you would need you would need to get it through Congress. And you know
1: who endorsed as a presidential candidate the idea of uh, of, of of changing pretty radically the way the Supreme Court is uh, is populated? Tell me this. Ted Cruz, Senator Ted, Ted Cruz. He had an idea that uh, after some time after a a, a, a nominee served um, that uh, there would be an eight year period where uh, after which any justice would have to stand on a ballot an up or down vote on their continued uh, service on the Supreme Court. Now he had this idea back when uh, I think a lot of people probably thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. We knew that the Scalia seat um, was was uh, coming open. There were a lot of different political factors at play, but Ted Cruz, constitutional scholar, uh, litigator, and for the Supreme Court and all that, he had some radical ideas on this as well.
0: Let's let's listen to what Trump had. Trump also weighed in on this Supreme Court idea.
2: I wouldn't uh, entertain that. The only reason is uh, that they're doing that is they want to try and catch up. So if they can't catch up through the ballot box by winning an election, they want to try doing it in a different way. Now, we would have no interest in that whatsoever. It'll never happen. It won't happen. I guarantee you it won't happen for six years.
0: So there is something to both of these ideas, the Electoral College idea and changing the number on the Supreme Court. It does seem a little bit like you lose at the ballot box and you try to get your way through structural changes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean would 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 any of these democrats be talking about these things if Hillary Clinton was in the White House and and filling Supreme Court vacancies? I would argue no. I think the electoral college is an intriguing one and there's polls that show that the, the public's behind this. The electoral college is an an artifact of a of a much different era. There's no functional reason for it the way that it, it was envisioned by the founders, but it's the rules of the game and it's it, it the Republicans view it as for you know for generations now they view it as this is this is the the game the way the game is played you can't just suddenly say there's gonna be four strikes instead of three you have to you have to set it in a certain way and this is the way it's done and they found a way to exploit it if to the tune of twice in two decades winning despite losing so, the majority of votes
0: I, I, I know I know I know you've got to run to New York I've got a I've got a we got to run back to the White House but before we, we close off I just want to tell you a quick story which is you alluded to the two we know the first one is Donald Trump a lot of our a lot of our you know uh, podcast listeners might be too young to remember that election way back in 2000 when Al Gore won the popular vote and lost the electoral college I was a uh, reporter for uh, the cable news network yeah. at that point and I was covering the Gore campaign and um, in the final week of the campaign I had a late-night interview with him um, and uh, back then the speculation the punditry, the Rick Kleins of that period uh, were saying that there was a real chance that there could be a split between the Electoral College and the popular vote but unfortunately the uh, the pundocracy had it wrong in that the, 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 all the speculation was that you could have a situation uh, where Bush would win the popular vote and Gore would become president by winning the Electoral College. That's the way people were looking at it and as you know, it actually ended up, but 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 because that was the speculation, I asked Gore. So I – and the question I asked was could a president that won the Electoral College but lost the popular vote govern effectively? And he laughed about it being a hypothetical question and then gave me a very thoughtful answer about how it's happened before and that's the genius of our system. and And he gave a stirring defense of the Electoral College, which believe it or not, the morning after the election we ended up playing that sound a lot a lot i would say a yeah, lot yeah, yeah, yes yeah. um so anyway <laughs> uh, that is all the time we have for powerhouse politics i want to thank you for listening thank you our entire powerhouse politics team the great trevor hastings the great avery miller angiak and the entire team we will talk to you again next week